the ARL's most delicious annual gourmet apple sale is back. These dipped apples, made with fresh ingredients from Chocolate Storybook and homemade caramel from Iowa Orchard, are the perfect gift to spoil yourself or your Valentine. They make a great treat for your office or co-workers, too. Don't forget about your four-legged Valentine. We also have pet apples. The sale from each apple helps provide care for an animal in our care for a day. Order your human or pet apple online today at arl-iowa.org apples. Welcome to the Animal Rescue League of Iowa's For Love of Animals podcast. Here are your hosts, Carol and Dan. Nope. Welcome. Welcome to the For Love of Animals podcast. I'm Carol and I'm here with Dan. Hello. We're finally getting our tech tech oh going. Oh my gosh, this is too much. <laughs> There's cords and buttons. I Hello. Love, <laughs> I love how you start. I don't know what's happening to that. And I'm like, okay, do you want something to drink? Because I'm like, no help whatsoever. So anyway, welcome. To That's the, teamwork. Yeah, it's teamwork. For Love of Animals <laughs> podcast. I'm Carol and Dan, as I said. Um, and we are happy to be doing our podcast again. In yes. This frigid, 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 frigid. I don't know how many to put in there. Cold oh my gosh. Weather. I think another one is Warranted, yeah. In Des Moines, Iowa. I don't know. I think it's like negative something, negative, negative seven. 10 or something. Yeah. yeah. Real temperature. Real temperature without wind chills. So of course, it's very worrisome right now. I don't know about you, Dan. Well, I do know because I know you. Uh, <laughs> we're very worried about animals right now. Yeah. It's super cold out. If you can bring them in, bring them inside. Bring them in. Even, you know, animals that are you know, outside dogs or whatever. And I totally understand. Sometimes they just freak out. I get that. Um, But if you can set them up a space in your basement or even the garage, absolutely. Just to get them out of the cold wind and have something dry and uh, because it's brutal outside. It is brutal. Yeah. I uh, laughed a little bit because Daisy, my outside cat that yes. refuses to let me pet her and touch her and stay <laughs> near me. Uh, you know, she's taking up residence in the heated garage and the heated attic above the garage, which is great. As she should. As she should. I finally, <laughs> I uh, went ahead. She used to, I put a litter box, but she didn't want to use it. She would go outside to go. Sure. But I put one in the garage now and she's been using it all weekend, which is great. Yes. Uh, and I go check on her up in the attic part and she's curled up on this big blanket I have up there looking at me like, yeah, I'm good. Right. Right. So, I don't need to go out. Right. So I'm super happy <laughs> about that. But I do worry about all the other animals. And I agree with you, Dan. Like, I get freaking out thing, that t- sort of thing for these animals. But set them up in your garage. Set them up in your basement. Bring them in. Yeah. At least give them the option. Right. Right. Um, and when I did uh, animal services for Des Moines, we would get calls constantly when it was cold like this about, animals outside and we would go and try to talk and educate the owner and they're like well they're outside they love it they love it well they may love it but that doesn't mean that you should just keep them out there yeah they can right? be getting frostbite on their paws and their ears right. and not even know it right well know? and they'll stay outside no matter what right. right that's just how they are right so um if, if you can set them up somewhere to at least get them out of the wind um that would be a huge difference. Yeah. People, my friends were texting me all weekend with, I bet Jax is loving this cold weather. And Yeah, I asked you that this morning. You did. For yeah. those of 
you don't know yet, and we're glad if you joined our podcast and you're going to be joining us on this animal journey we've got going on with the podcast, Jax is a Bernese Mountain Dog, and he's about two and a half years old. And then I have an Irish setter named Remy, who is mm-hmm. two years old. And so everyone assumes Jax wants to be outside, but they're like... and. I, like I told you this morning, he likes to go out and run up through the snow for about less mm-hmm. than five minutes, and then he comes back up and he wants in. Remy, my Irish setter, is the one who wants to be outside. <laughs> I, I'm like, but to the point, it's like, get in here, because I'm not going to let you get frostbite because you want to be outside, you know, mm-hmm. in this frigid temperature. So let's get those pets inside yes. or at least a spot someplace they can go and get out of that wind and cold and off the snow. Yeah, I agree. And if you are in the city of Des Moines, Des Moines proper, um, and you see something and it just doesn't sit right with you, uh, you know, we always say, if you see something, say something. Yep. Um, please do. Uh, in the city of Des Moines, the number is 515-283-4811. That is uh, the non-emergency police department number. They will dispatch uh, animal services in the city of Des Moines. If you live outside of Des Moines, call your local sheriff's office. Um, just it's better safe than sorry. Yeah, for sure. And the animal services officers that are out on the road, um, they would rather check something before something bad happens. Yeah. Right. So, um, don't hesitate. Just one thing I will mention though, if you see a dog outside, don't automatically assume that they've been out for four days. Right. Um, you know, keep an eye (laughs) because dogs do need to go outside. Um, and some of the dogs, like the Bernese Mountain Dogs, the uh, Huskies, um, the Newfies, you, you know, they don't mind right. the cold. So um, as long as they're not being left out for an extended period of time um, and they're being taken care of and you know that they're inside, outside, don't call on that because then it kind of wastes people's time, right? But When they have real emergencies to be good Exactly, too. Yeah. exactly. Um, but I'm not saying don't call. If, if you see something and it doesn't set right in your gut, make a call. Yeah. You know, we say pop forward on right. our podcast quite a bit. And if you know somebody, too, that maybe is a little, you know, can't get out of the house to get their dog set up and maybe a better situation mm-hmm. with the house or whatever, uh, pop forward. Reach out to your neighbor. See if you can do anything to help with that. Yeah. Because um, somebody may just not be able to get out to get their dog in. Right. You know, you just don't know what's going on. That's so right. It doesn't mean they don't care about their dog. doesn't mean they don't That's exactly love their right. dog. But let's reach out. Let's pop forward. And a huge thank you, you know. For those of you listening to the podcast, and I know we have people listening now from all over different states, mm-hmm. but in Iowa here, a huge thank you to the animal services officers that even with the blizzard and everything, oh, like, they were God. out. They I know. Were, they were out caring for the animals, and I bet you in your own states, that, that's what your animal control, animal services officers mm-hmm. were doing too, so a huge thank you to them. Yeah, I don't. I don't miss that at no. all. <laughs> oh, you miss it a little. <laughs> well, not in the winter. <laughs> In the nice 70 March degree through November, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Huskies, uh, I tell you, Hero Husky, um, they're in Philadelphia, a dog named Kobe. Um, who's beautiful, by who's the way. beautiful, beautiful Husky. Aren't they Huskies? They yeah. They look like somebody painted their I faces. I know. They're I swear. beautiful. It's so beautiful. He is actually getting extra good boy compliments, they're saying, because he saved his neighborhood from an explosive gas leak, a potentially explosive gas leak. So that's crazy. He's four years old. He started digging a large hole in the front yard of this home of, of his home in Philadelphia. And as the hole grew bigger, um, Kobe's owner 
Chanel grew more concerned the dog was trying to tell her something. So he's digging, he's digging. She starts to wonder what's going on. She said she really trusts his judgment because it's just not his typical behavior, and usually he's right. And I, I say this about my Irish setter because it's so my Irish setter. Like, okay, you're bouncing off the walls normally, but something's up with you, and usually they're right about it. That's a good owner to realize. Uh, to that, realize that, it. To, uh you know, pinpoint that behavior. Yes. Yeah, that's good. So he has great senses. He never digs holes unless he's helping her dig. So like he goes out <laughs> helping her dig. So anyway, they had a gas detection service on hand and uh, there was a re- repaired gas leak recently. So um, in December, so she decided to uh, check this out from Kobe's standpoint, mm-hmm. used this device to check the hole and, um, basically, you know, there was like a gas leak going on. That's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, it was a super dangerous potential if it wasn't detected and the gas continued to leak into homes. This isn't just her home. This was like homes in the neighborhood. Right. It could cause serious health effects like respiratory issues, brain damage, and even death. Um, and they also said that something as simple as a light switch turning on could have caused an explosion. That's scary. Yeah, very scary. So anyway, Kobe Hero saved everyone. Uh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah, good job, uh, Kobe. Good job, Kobe. So Hopefully he got some treats. I, I would hope. I would hope the whole neighbor would, like, you know, neighborhood would do something. So, right? Yeah. Um, it, lordy, lordy. I know. No, no. Yeah, I just, animals, you know, we. I'll just quickly say, you and I have been... Uh, doing this stuff for a long time, but I still get just amazed and in awe over animals um, every day. Yeah, their every day. intuition and senses are are crazy. We yeah. just have to pay attention. We That's just the problem. Have to pay attention. And Chanel paid attention. Right. Right. That's... Can you imagine how many people would be mad at the dog for digging a hole in their front yard? Yep. And she was like, no, something's not right. So it's just weird behavior. I'm digging right. this big hole, big hole in the yard. So it's, uh, yeah, you, you do have to listen. I know. And the intuition thing, it reminded me, uh, KC, who we've talked to on, on the, um, podcast before she sent me a video on Facebook and she's, she said, I think you would like this. And I was like, well, of course, okay. It's an orca video. Right. So I start watching it and there was a younger orca that, was like bothering, I say bothering in quotes, these people on this boat and they were like, well, this is really weird. You know, like, why does it keep coming up to us? And it had a piece of something in its mouth and it kept like coming out of the water right next to the boat and showing these people. And they were like, what the heck is going on here? And so they decided to follow this orca and this orca took them, I don't know how far away. And they looked and there was uh, another orca in the water that was tangled in some sort of net and what the orca had in its mouth was a piece of this net and it like led them to this thing. And then the orca that was tied down by this buoy and this net thing raised its tail high enough so that the people could get it and cut the net off so that this orca could survive basically like who does that? An orca. Right. I I seriously, I, again, I have goosebumps while you're telling me that. Yeah. I, and thank goodness for those people. That right, like, they paid attention. They paid attention and followed the one and helped that other one survive. Exactly. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, we just have to pay attention. We just have to listen to the environment. I, I tell you, we really, we really need to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. So there's another good story, wasn't there? Yes, in Arizona. <laughs> the runaway rooftop goats. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this happened in Glendale. Uh, the Glendale Fire Department lent a helping hoof to an adventurous goat that got itself stuck on the roof of a home. <laughs> I love it. Footage shows one firefighter carrying the adventurous animal to safety while <laughs> pictures published by the fire department also show the goat running around on the rooftop. I, I, I don't know. Have you ever owned goats? You know, I have not. And I have to tell you, it is something that I constantly say to myself, I should get a couple goats. You and should then, not get a couple and goats. And I plan on it. And then it's like <laughs> something happens and I go, they're cute, but I need to not have goats. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're adorable. But people who have goats, they love goats. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I And I love goats, too. Um, you know, we've had tons of goats uh, at the shelter yeah. in the rescue league. Yeah. Um, and they're so fun and they're so cute, but they are naughty. They are, they are naughty. And, and I, they get in and out of things like nobody's business. I Hence think, this goat on the roof. I think to myself, I have a Irish setter that acts like a goat. So like I need to not get more Irish setter goats in my life. Right. So yes. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. Thank you to the Glendale Fire Department for helping with that one. Yeah. The goat was reunited with its owner. Yeah. I bet they were so embarrassed. I bet they were too. And it, I bet they noticed that their goat was on the roof and they were just like, I am not even dealing with that but what a heck of a story to tell your friends <laughs> right yeah <laughs> right I and i'm sure it. the fire department was like oh yeah we'll go do this you know like it's a it's a break from the right norm yeah you know i would i would be the first one to be like yeah let's go get a goat uh, yeah it's adorable <laughs> i you know the, thank goodness for our firefighters how many times do we tell stories on here i know about them even in a house fire and they coming out right. with the oxygen on the pets yeah and, you know not only like they report like on the status of the family like the, even the news these days like they report on the animals mm -hmm. too thank goodness for our firefighters i know yeah i couldn't do it so thank you very much yes. for the people that do it's amazing so yes yes those are our cute animal stories we are gonna take a break uh when we come back from that we have a special guest coming on we're very excited about this yes morning. we've got stephanie filer who's the executive director of shelter animals count so we're going to be talking to her on what that awesome. organization does and all sorts of cool stuff so please come back with us we'll be back show your loyalty to the animals by becoming a member of the loyal friends club at the arl it's easy to join all you have to do is make a recurring monthly donation of your choice even as little as five dollars a month and you're part of the club the care of one animal for one day is $15, and with hundreds of animals in our care, we rely on people like you to help us continue caring for the animals until they find their forever home. Join the Loyal Friends Club by visiting www.arl-iowa.org. Welcome back. We're back with the For Love of Animals podcast. I'm Carolyn. I'm here with Dan. Hello, hello. We're just having lots of fun already this morning. Already. Talking about dog heroes and orcas, your favorite Trying subject. To figure and out all these cords over exactly. here. Exactly. <laughs> We're having a few challenges this morning, but we are there. And as promised before the break, we have a wonderful special guest that is on the phone with us, and that is Stephanie Filer. And Stephanie is the executive director of Shelter Animals Count um, and formerly uh, worked in covered and oversaw uh, development, PR, marketing, communications, everything at yeah, the lot. Animal Rescue League of Iowa. Yeah. So we're thrilled to have Stephanie with us uh, to talk a little bit about Shelter Animals Count and what they do, but then her work with them, and um, she's always a lot of fun, too. So Yeah, I agree. Hi, Steph. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are 
are you guys? We are well. We're well, and you're in a warm spot, and we're not. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think Atlanta weather is winning over Iowa weather today. <laughs> I thought of you. Probably by like 80 degrees. Yeah, I, exactly. Uh, I thought of you yesterday because I thought to myself, there's no chance we're getting her back to Iowa. No <laughs> chance. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, yeah, I haven't seen snow for a couple of years, and I'm not gonna lie, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't blame you. Yeah, right there with you. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. We're thrilled to have you on, um, and you do such important work. And I, I, you know, I hopefully your 12 years of working at the Animal Rescue League really uh, kind of took that insight into shelter work into what you're doing now to do this important work you're doing with data that is really valuable for everybody. But tell us a little bit about what Shelter Animals Count does. Yes, absolutely. I remember when I was at the ARL, we were constantly looking at what was the the animals coming in and coming out of the shelter and the reasons why. And so essentially now I'm doing that on um, a more aggregated national uh, level where we look at essentially like a U.S. census of sorts for animal shelters. We look at all of the reasons that animals are entering shelters and all of the reasons that they're leaving. And then we look at, in some cases, like in the past couple of years, the gap of animals left behind. And we try to get to the bottom of why those things are happening by looking at actual data and insights instead of just maybe how sometimes it used to be where we were just going based on what we think or feel right Um, now we can actually numbers to back it up yeah that's so important right because to your point you do things because you think that's the right thing to do but the data really solidifies that right where you're like well why would we do that when the data shows something totally different a hundred percent. Like one of the biggest things I remember when I was still at ARL, um, there were these headlines that were pandemic pets are being surrendered in record numbers um, as people are returning to work. And I remember looking like, is that happening here? And then when I was digging into it, I'm like, it's not. And then really as Shelter Animals Count was digging into it, we thought it wasn't happening really on a national level at all. Um, and so the interesting thing about national data and even statewide data is it's showing the aggregate um, information, but it doesn't mean that like an individual shelter's experience isn't true. Right. So there was an individual organization that was experiencing that, um, but it did not mean that that was the national trend. And so that's where we're able to look um, either that 10,000 foot view or dive all the way down into the shelter level detail. Mm -hmm. So shelter animal counts is an organization that you partner, I assume with, um, shelters and organizations around the country, and then they feed you this data. Is that a correct assumption? Yep, that's exactly right. There are over 7,000 shelters and foster-based rescues that we collect data from. Wow. Um, Equally millions and millions of animals, but um, essentially it's all uh, volunteer based (laughs) on submitting data. We don't um, require it or we don't, you know, send any Freedom of Information Act requests. We don't want it to be anything that people feel like they have to do, but it's something that people opt into doing because they want to advance um, animal welfare throughout the country. Right. Which is awesome, right? That there's that many exactly. people that want you to have that data because to your point, data helps with a lot of things, right? Grant writing, getting exactly. funds and knowing what where to spend their time and effort. 
Exactly. And we, we also need to know um, where maybe there are space, where, where some organizations have space um, to accept more animals through transfer oh. programs, um, especially moving um, animals from the south up to the north is very common. Yeah. Um, it's also used to look at where our organizations really excelling and maybe like an adoption program and what can be learned from replicating their success. Or the contrast where organizations may be struggling and what do they need? Do they need money? Do they need mentorship? Do they need, um, you know, a, a temporary swell of volunteers? Like it, it really helps us kind of point to um, not only the individual needs, but the needs on a bigger scale since so much of it is geographic based. But then um, so much of it, too, just really comes down to the individual shelter within a community. Right, right. That's interesting work. So, Steph, tell us what would be interesting in, you know, for Iowa stats of animals coming yeah. into shelters. Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the preface that the past three years have been an extremely challenging time for animal shelters. Um, we all see it. Um, but we really thought in 2020 that this was a new normal, that people were going to rally around their, their shelters and, they were going to empty the shelters, and that was going to be a new day. Um, and what we really saw since 2020 was pretty much everything but. Um, we saw <laughs> the number of animals increase um, year over year um, to where now, last year, they were at or past our 2019 highs. Um, but at that same time, we saw this constant imbalance of animals, more animals entering shelters than we're leaving. And so that was really driving up the number of animals that were waiting in shelters. And so by the end of last year, we saw 250,000 more animals that were still in shelters um, in December of 23 than there were in December of 2022. Wow. Which is very concerning. Staggering um, number. Yeah, it is staggering. And, you know, if you if you think about that being this is the third year in a row of increases. So it's, it's very substantial. Um, and when we look at it from a national level, we see that imbalance by end of year as only 3%. And so that means there were 3% more animals coming in than leaving. Um, but in Iowa, it's a little different. Iowa is faring a little worse, quote unquote, um, at 5% by end of year. But that can mean that either the Iowa shelters are having more space or finding more space, um, or it can mean Iowa shelters are just feeling more full than their partners across the country. Um, but there are some really, really exciting things when I was digging into the data about Iowa, which obviously being from Iowa, I'm always keeping an eye on it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Iowa is actually faring really better in a lot of other areas that the country is really struggling in. Um, so I can, I can share some of the differences between cats and dogs because we do see a lot of differences there. Um, so with cats, we see in Iowa, three out of four cats are getting adopted, which is amazing. That's really good. Um, it is. It's way higher than I've seen anywhere. Um, the national average is 67%, which is still really high, about two thirds of cats. Um, but and that, a lot of that can be attributed to programs like um, Trap New to Return mm -hmm. and other creative barn cat programs and other programs that really came about in the last decade 
to try to increase live outcomes for cats that aren't suitable for adoption. So if you mm-hmm. think about three-fourths of cats in Iowa are that enter a shelter are being adopted, the other fourths um, are really finding outcomes through these other creative programs. So we're seeing Iowa kind of in line with some of the other, um, except for we don't see, in a lot of other shelters, we see um, cats having to be transferred out to other shelters that have space. In Iowa, have had that happen. You know, there's still we're still at three percent for that, but about one in ten cats across the country um, don't stay in the shelter that they originated in. Wow. So that is attributed to to Iowa's great job with adoptions. Frankly, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to send them to another shelter if you can find a home from within your community, which right. is amazing. And all of that combined has really resulted in a, de- a lower average of euthanasia for cats compared to the national average. Um, I was about 8% where the national average is 10%. And obviously we know that euthanasia within a shelter is generally reserved for animals that are suffering or unsafe. And so 8% of cats are humanely outcomed for that reason. So all of really, really great signs for cats in Iowa, um, <laughs> where dogs aren't faring as well. <laughs> um, dog adoption rates have really, really struggled the past few years, especially on the national level. They've essentially flatlined, and it'd be okay if they were flatlining at, you know, three and four like they are with cats, um, but they're flatlining at about half. So mm. about half of dogs that enter shelters are leaving through an adoption um, Iowa is faring better at almost two-thirds, so about 62%. Um, Iowa, again, is leading the charge with dogs with um, being reunited with their owner. About one in four dogs are reunited with their owner, um, where about one in five are nationally. Hmm. And then also same story with transfer as it was for cats. And euthanasia is actually quite a bit, almost half of the national rate for dogs in Iowa. Um, so it's currently at 6% where the national rate is at 11%. Oh, wow, so we that's... are hearing across the country, a lot of an- animal shelters are really at their breaking point where they're having to make those tough euthanasia decisions um, mm-hmm. based on space. And so uh, that has really driven up those dog euthanasia numbers compared to prior years. But um, yeah, so it's a challenging time right now for sure. Yeah, for, for everybody, right? Absolutely. There, it used to be that the Northeast was more or less immune, and not, that's not the case anymore. And when they started, when they really stopped bringing in animals from the South, that whole system throughout the country really just shuttered. And it's kind of everybody's just doing the best they can with what they have in their own communities. And there's not a lot of outlets like we were used to five years ago, even right. four years. Yeah, COVID ruined everything. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting, though, that um, I was doing a good job, right? And that. But we're not surprised by that. Right. Yeah. Of course not. Of course not. (laughs) But what's the. What. So, what kind of. In all your data um, that you gather, are there certain programs or things that people in Iowa or other states are doing that you think is helping to reduce the numbers in those states like spay neuter or you know outreach programs i mean are are there anything attributable that people can take away from that and say these are things we really need to kick it up and get going on yeah 
Well, I think a, a lot of things. I think one of the things that Iowa has always been great at is kind of staying steady, for lack of better words. So um, we always see these huge fluctuations on the coast. And that can be anything from the economy to even um, different programs and animal shelters. And so I think Iowa's always done a good job at um, either that sit and wait or, or stay the course. And what we've seen in some other shelters that have really hurt them is these major um, back and forth on programs or operating procedures or open hours or whatever, kind of responding to what's going on in the moment. Um, where, you know, during COVID, Iowa animal shelters um, were really creative and just like other shelters and um, did adopt, adoptions by appointment and mm -hmm. some of those other things. Well, there's a lot of shelters still doing that, and mm. it's really hurting their adoptions. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Iowa, right when we could, we opened back up yep. um, to adoptions and trying to get its high-volume um, operation, and we needed high-volume adoptions. So that's one thing. Um, Iowa's also getting better with um, improved ordinances and legislation on um, trap to return programs. Um, we also are hopefully seeing some improvements on housing restrictions, which are still plaguing the country yes. when it comes to, you know, breeds and sizes of dogs. Um, but the other thing is Iowa has great return to owner rates and really seems to have overall a community that still seems, it still feels like adoptions and adopting is cool, mm -hmm. um, where we've really lost that in other areas of the country. Uh, since I've moved out of the state about two years ago, I don't ever hear about shelters and adoption um, down here like I used to hear in Iowa. It's, it's way less of a talking point, and I think um, we really need to get back to that across the country to really make adoption cool again and make it a pride point for people to rescue a pet instead of paying $8,000 for a dog from a puppy mill. Right. I think that's a really good point. I was actually at an event last week and people were talking about their dogs and, you know, be like, where'd you get it? And I, every one of them had gotten them from a shelter, you know? So yeah. uh, it seemed to be the cool thing and, Absolutely. and the right thing. Yeah. I wonder, <clears throat> go ahead, Steph. Oh, I was just to say, part of it is who you surround yourself with, too, right? Yeah, like, totally true. I know down here, our rescue or their dogs are from rescues, <laughs> so it's like we kind of tend to find each other. And what we need to do is bring more people into the club. Good point. <laughs> so, Very good point. Um, <laughs> Iowa has a bigger club than most. We'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I would. People hanging around in my club probably wouldn't be like, "Oh, I, you know, did this, that, or I." you know, had a litter of puppies or whatever. So yeah, good point. <laughs> Be like, do you not say that. that <laughs> right. Yeah. You just, you know, like when you take a friend to introduce to another friend and you're like, don't talk about this in front of that friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's really interesting. Um, thank you for doing what you guys do. Yeah. Cause to your point, it's super important to have that 10,000 foot view, that holistic view of what's going on in the country because you know, like you said at the very beginning, it's very easy to be short-sighted and siloed and think that you're doing the right thing for your specific organization, but you may not be when you look at the national numbers. So super important. Is there any other uh, message, Steph, before we, we go of that you, you're you trying to get the word out? To, yeah. And I realize, you know, 
we have lots of people that listen to the podcast, not just shelter workers, but it does take a community, you know, and you and I talked a lot about that when you were here. And um, are there other messages you'd really, you know, like to get out around as it relates to animals and animal welfare? Yeah. So I think one of the other notable things that we haven't talked about is the reasons why pets are entering shelters. And what we are seeing on a national level is Iowa is is actually flopped from what's happening across the country. So we are seeing stray animals increase um, throughout the country. And with Iowa, we're actually seeing owner surrenders increase. And so um, one of the things that I think that people often don't consider when they're faced with having to make a, a, you know, devastating choice on whether they can keep their pet or not um, is to reach out to their shelter as soon as possible and see if there's any resources that can be provided. Yes. Obviously, when they come the, the day that they're being evicted, um, there's going to be less that shelters can do than if they know they have 30 days. Um, sometimes that can even mean the difference of a temporary foster to get reunited with the pet when you get um, into new ho- housing. And there's also a lot of services now where you can even do peer-to-peer rehoming and in a safe way um, that are that can be facilitated just like it would with a shelter, but without the shelter having to be directly involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of things that can be done prior to having to come to a shelter and um, surrender your pet that you can have an active role with. So we're really trying to get the word out about that. Um, the shelter obviously will be there when needed, but there's so much more that can happen in between. Um, and then, you know, kind of the old adage that's still true, spay and neuter, mm-hmm. microchip, um, all of those things. We're really seeing a lot of studies coming out on the differences or, or the, the increased chance of your pet being reunited with you when lost. Obviously, if they're microchipped, of course, but also um, increased odds if they're spayed and neutered, um, increased odds if they're um, older, which is interesting, um, and a whole bunch of other studies that are coming out that the more you can do now to prepare yourself for what the unexpected, the better. And when you need help, reach out to your shelter. Absolutely. Yeah, very good point. Very good. Very, very good point. Well, Steph, we really appreciate your time and uh, would love to have you on again as we're working through 2024 and uh, seeing kind of where stats and numbers are showing how things are going. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah, really appreciate your work. It is so helpful. I, um, I really have always taken the point doing this work that you can make guesses here and there, but it really helps you get you on the right path and keep you on the right path if you have the statistics that actually show the data. That's right. As it is. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, happy to come on anytime. Um, and also, for anybody who's interested, we have dashboards that we update every month, and they can go on our website, shelteranimalscount.org and check out what's happening in Iowa compared to the rest of the country and um, then look at what is needed to make some change and hopefully volunteer, adopt, foster, donate in their local area. Yeah, that's awesome. And if somebody is listening and they're part of a foster-based rescue or a shelter that doesn't um, interface with Shelter Animals Count, can they uh, get in contact with you via the website as well? Yeah, they can go um, right to our website. It's free to participate. We offer a lot of free um, tools for 
analyzing your own data. We also give away grants throughout the year and um, a whole bunch of other perks that are included for being a data submitter. And you can do that um, either directly automa automatic, automatic um, through your shelter software or you can manually update it each month. But uh, we can definitely get everybody signed up. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on. We appreciate it. It was good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Come visit. Yes, it does. It, it does get warm here, Steph, yeah. as you know. So please come visit us this summer, and we'll have you on in person too. So yeah, that's right. I, do, I have a visit I'm working on for the summer, so that will be perfect. Perfect. That will work. So. Love it. Love it. And in the words of uh, old Bob Barker, right? Help control the pet population. Have your pet spayed or neutered. That's exactly right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Thanks, Bob. Thank you See so ya. much, Steph. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Again, everyone, that was Stephanie Filer, the executive director of Shelter Animals Count. They do such great work. They do. You know, we hated, hated, hated to lose Stephanie here at the Animal Rescue League. But, you know, it was the perfect match for her uh, after all her years here, knowing how important that data is to shelters making decisions. And honestly, just to the public in, you know, more education, more uh, enlightenment in terms of those ty types of stats really help us to change. What's going yeah. On. I mean, like she said, you know, when you are in your own organization and you're kind of siloed, um, you think you're doing the right thing. Um, but then when you have someone that can look at your data or help you look at your data, um, you, you may see something totally different. Uh, so that's why it's very important for organizations to keep numbers like that so that they can focus their time, energy, and money uh, in the right spot to have the biggest impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. Huge thank you to Stephanie for spending her time yeah. with us this morning. So we are going to take another break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about, um, got a behavior question. We've got um, some cold weather tips we want to talk about. We want to talk about volunteerism. Um, and we certainly need to mention Benny and how cute he is wearing his scarf, oh our gosh. wonderful pod cat, yeah. Benny, who's wearing his <laughs> warm little scarf. Not that he goes outside, but I think right. he's just trying to like show he's all bundled up. Right. Too. He's very so festive. He is very festive. So we're going to take a break. When we come back. We'll have lots of fun stuff to talk about. At Raina Immer Falls State Farm Agency, we grow our family tree by the three H's, heart, head, and humor. We build trust with our customers Use our knowledge of the industry to get you the personalized insurance plan you and your family or business need and humor because life's too short not to laugh. Quotes for Good is our way of giving back. We've partnered with the ARL. Mention the ARL and we will donate $10 to the organization. Call us at 515-217-3053. Welcome back. We're back with the For Love of Animals podcast. I'm Carol and I'm here with Dan. Good day good day and you know we good are day actually to you. good day <laughs> we're actually recording this on ml martin luther king jr we day. are and i found this amazing quote uh from him and it is never never be afraid to do what's right especially if the well-being of a person or animal is at stake society's punishments are small compared to the wounds we inflict on our soul when we look the other way powerful very powerful so I'll leave back yeah, there. I don't, so I don't think... We can't really say anything to add. To right. That. Yeah. yeah, nothing else needs to be said. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, so we had a, a listener uh, write in, and I'm going to read the message, and we've got a dog 
question coming off of this. All so, right. Hi, Carol and Dan. I'm an Iowa native, but moved to North Carolina five years ago to be near our grandkids. I've listened to your Saturday morning radio broadcast since you were on with Dick and Cheryl. So when we moved, I continued listening on iHeartRadio and love your weekly podcast. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate that, Charlie. Um, one of my neighbors has a 16-year-old daughter named Forever who wants to be a veterinarian. She volunteered to help the local pet rescue in our neighborhood. They let her nurse back to health a severely malnourished female dog, Roxy, and she handled this poor dog beautifully. Yay, Forever. That's awesome. Yes. About two weeks after getting this rescue dog, Roxy gave birth to a single puppy, which they named Chance. They had no idea Roxy was pregnant because she was so skinny and small. Forever was not able to care for a puppy, so after Chance was weaned, my husband and I started fostering him. He's now 14 years, 14 weeks old, and we are just in love with this little guy. He looks like he's part lab, part Swiss mountain dog. And she's, they did send a photo, and I'm telling you, adorable. Adorable. Uh, he has one behavior issue we need help with. When we take him out to take a walk or go to the bathroom, sometimes he appears to be bored and will start to bite the legs of my jeans, not biting my leg, just the <laughs> pants, or the bottom of my long coat, and nothing I do will get him to stop. I use all the positive reinforcement techniques you have, you've talked about, but nothing seems to help. Any advice? Thank you, Glenda. So, uh, first of all, Glenda, your puppy chance is ad absolutely adorable. And we're going to give some tips here for something you might be able to do to get him uh to quit biting the bottom yeah, of your pants. Yeah, I mean, pants. why would you not want your puppy to do that, <laughs> Glenda? No, I'm yeah. just kidding. Yeah, hmm, we can't figure that out. We're <laughs> kidding. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thank you for being involved in your community and in, in doing stuff like this. This is exactly what we try to talk about. And, you know, when Carol says paw it forward, this is exactly uh, what we mean by that. Um, so a couple things. You could try... Spraying your pant legs with the bitter apple spray, um, that may help. It, it may not do anything, um, but ignoring the behavior, as hard as that is, I know when you're trying to walk, uh, to ignore something like that, it's very difficult, but ignoring it and just trying to continue to walk and uh, say his name uh, so he focuses on you and keep him moving. Uh, you could, I don't know if he's, toy motivated at all um but take his favorite toy uh along the walk with you keep it in your pocket if you can and when he starts biting on your coat or your pant leg pull out the toy and kind of redirect his behavior to the toy um hopefully he will then carry it uh like a proud puppy um that might be something or if it's a ball or something like that um whatever motivates him whatever is a high value reward um you could try distracting with treats as well um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, like a full-on milk bone. Um, what we always used in puppy class were hot dogs. And you just cut them up really small in like pea-sized pieces. Um, put them in a little Ziploc. Keep some in your uh, coat pocket. And just get them to redirect is essentially what you're doing. Um, and then you had a suggestion, like if he's stick-oriented, like maybe yeah. give him a big stick to carry. Yeah. Just well, to keep his mouth busy. Right. Because I think about this when I started when I got Jax, when yeah. he was about five months old, um, he was kind of doing that, but he, uh, 
it, what was weird because I should have thought of the stick at the time, but he started. I he would carry his leash. Oh uh, yeah, so that's the common thing is for right. them to bite at the leash. And so I was mentioning this to somebody, and they said, "Well, hey, you ought to hand him a stick because then they've got something in their mouth, and so if they're bored, they've got this. You know, they feel like they got the stick. So um, you might want to see something like that as well, and whether that's a stick or a squeaky toy or something that they really like." Um, I bet you those things will just get them distracted. I love oh, the squeaky fact. squeaky toy. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. Because you can squeak it and it breaks your concentration. Yep. Yep. So. Smart. Um, what I really like about your question is, is A, that you're getting on it when, they, when they're still young. Yes. Because it's just not that you can't train an old dog new tricks. You can. But this will just hopefully get that behavior changed. But any of those ideas, I would give them a try. And please write back in and let us know if any of them or all of them worked. Um, great information to have as we talk to other people with this similar problem, but I'm guessing one of those things would definitely help. Yeah, it. Um, and I would probably do the bitter apple spray and something else yes. at the same time. So, and the Good bitter point. apple spray, just test it on an inside of your coat or pants to make sure it's not going to do anything. I've done that on my clothes and stuff before, and it hasn't. But yeah. just double check. But spray that, um, and then at the same time, give them a squeaky toy, a stick. Um, you know, your just treats. distract them with yeah, something, with yeah. something, and hopefully they'll. Ooh, the coat doesn't taste good anymore, so now I'm gonna, you know, get a treat, or I'm gonna carry a stick. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and this is we see this behavior all the time. And to your point, Carol, most of the time it's they go after the leash. Yeah. And because they want to play tug with it. <laughs> right. Um. And by the way, don't make my mistake. Don't do it. Because <laughs> all that did was get him to do it more. Right. Right. Um. Generally speaking, this is something that they grow out of. Um, to your point, uh, Glenda, he's probably bored of of the walk. So maybe if you can even switch up the walk, um, if you go the same same path every time, maybe just go the opposite way. Um, sometimes that breaks up the monotony of it as well. But I, he probably will not do this when he he's yeah. older. Um, it's a total puppy thing, but. It's, you know, it's cute when they do it as puppies, but, you know, when they're 60 pounds and if hopefully they don't still do it, but if they do, then it's not as cute. Right. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for writing in and asking, um, let us know if any of those suggestions work, um, or if it causes some other thing, because sometimes it does, right. They stop doing one thing and then they start picking up another. Um, but thank you for for rescuing chance and thank you to forever for taking care of the mom yeah absolutely thanks for thanks for listening appreciate it yeah uh so the cold weather in iowa it's uh looks like it's about negative six here without the wind chill um and so we talked earlier as we kind of entered um into um show this time that you know if you can get your animal outside dogs and cats inside rabbits as well um, get them inside during this cold thing but also if you absolutely can't or if you're just providing additional for outside like water you need to make sure it doesn't freeze that's right yeah and they do need fresh water even in this cold weather um but so much more food too so much more food because they're constantly burning calories staying warm very much overfeed them if anything um and definitely make sure you've got a a heater or something or check that water to make sure it stays non-frozen yeah and i mean when it's this cold you're gonna have to go out every hour and yeah. switch the water so that they, they have it yeah. and make sure that they have shelter. They have to have shelter. That's a city ordinance of Des Moines. They have to have food, water, shelter. Um, if they, 
have a doghouse. Fill that thing with straw. Don't not put, hay. Not hay, right? Not blankets either. Because and I was going to have you talk about that, Dan. Yeah, they the blankets just they absorb moisture and then they freeze solid and then it's pointless, right? Um, so yeah, stuff it with straw. Straw is a great insulator. Um, and it won't freeze solid like a blanket or a dog bed or something of that nature would. Um, and if you see something, say something. Yeah. You know, I said that at the top of the show, but that's really how people get help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And educated too. Because some people just don't know. And, they don't. Uh, that's the wonderful thing about animal services here in Des Moines um, is it's education than enforcement. Uh, so... If it's something that you can very easily talk through with someone and they're receptive and they make the changes, uh, that's really what it's all about, right? Yep. And to Stephanie's point, that's part of keeping the animals out of the shelter right? Uh, and where they belong, which is at home. And we can all pop forward if there's an animal in need right now, especially right now with these mm-hmm. cold weather. A neighbor had texted last night, said she had a cat that was looking in her window, wanted to know if we knew whose cat it was. We didn't. She tried to get it in their house. It ran off and woke up <laughs> this morning and it was in our barn. Oh, nice. Uh, so now it has food and water and some blankets and straw and stuff and yes. a heated little house with a pad on it because it's not my cat. I don't know whose cat it is. But right now, it needs help. Right. And it's your need, cat right now. Right, right now it is. And we and so we all can do that. And yeah, that's, that's not a big deal. Seriously. Yeah. It's not a big deal. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. yeah. So. And to your point, Carol, you said this earlier. If, uh, you know, the neighbor just needs help getting the dog in um, because they can't put it on a leash or whatever the case may be, offer to walk the dog into the house for the person. Exactly. Or um, try to find a dog house for the for the animal yep. or make sure that they have enough food or, you know, whatever it is. Um, we're all here. It takes the community. Uh, animals, in my opinion, are a community thing. Agreed. Um, especially in, you know, when you live in the city, um, I think it's everybody's duty to, to keep an eye out for, for everybody and people too. Right. Watch out for each other. That's and, right. And our animals. That's right. Exactly. And, right. Yeah. Um, and if you need help, if you need help, if you need resources, call your local shelters and see if you can. If they've got some straw or something. Yeah, no shame. Them. No shame. Seriously, no shame. So we need, need to remove that help, stigma. We do. We Especially, do. you know, when Stephanie uh, Filer was talking about the surrendering process and uh, calling, you know, well ahead. Like, if you know something may happen that you you can't keep your pet, call the shelter as soon as you know. Um, but a lot of people don't because of the shame surrounding right. it. And I don't think that's fair. That's not fair to the people or the pets. Right. Exactly. There's no shame in asking for help if you need it. Right. Much, much better. How many situations, Dan, have you and I seen where somebody didn't ask for help and the situation got out of control or the situation got where animals were suffering mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. didn't ask for help? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that happens often. Yep. And it, it could be... Um, you know, the, the cases that are coming to my mind are the horse cases that we've seen over the years. And it's literally like they needed a round bale of hay or, you know, like we could, we could help provide that. Right. And, but people won't call because they have this pride. Right. And then the horses are starving and then now they're in trouble. Now they have court cases against them. Um, 
you know, we don't want that for people. Um, so if, if you need help to Carol's point, call your local animal shelter. If they can't help you, they're probably going to know who can. Yep. And there are organizations all across the United States that offer some sort of grant money for emergency pet care, hay fund, dog food funds, whatever the case may be. So, um, if you're listening and you're able to support organizations like that, please do. Yep. Um, but if you also need to take advantage of organizations like that, please do. That's why they're there. The shame should come when suffering happens and because it never needs to happen. That's exactly right. So, it, yeah. It, yeah. That's when you will be shame, shame, shamed. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, we have a wonderful, we just want to, from the Animal Rescue of Iowa, say a huge thank you to Vaughn. Yes. Uh, Vaughn is celebrating eight years of walking dogs at the Animal Rescue League. He's a wonderful volunteer. He trains and mentors other volunteers. He walks dogs on special request if the staff are like, hey, can you walk this dog? Long-term dogs or dogs that seem sad or depressed. Vaughn is out there all the time mm-hmm. walking these dogs rain or shine or cold or warm he's out there walking arl dogs while they're waiting for homes um and he's he's literally changed the life of hundreds yeah. of dogs if not thousands if not at this thousands point. for just let getting them out of the kennel getting them it just helps staff so much too they take them out but at the same time they're trying to clean the kennels they're trying to get their breakfast and dinners ready right for the pets for 700 other dogs right too. exactly yeah. so we just want to say thank you happy anniversary vaughn january 8th <laughs> was your eight year we are so appreciative of you and all the people who come out and walk our dogs uh, to give them a break so thank you vaughn yes. we love you thank you vaughn and all of you who are out there across the united states and want to get involved with your local shelters and walk dogs they will be grateful reach out to that do it uh support your shelter or foster-based um rescues if that's what you have in your area just do whatever you can to support them yep Um, as stephanie noted the numbers are very high the last uh couple years so um, like I said, again, it's a community thing. We should all do what we can to to help support those uh, organizations go and in, people that are doing it. Go into your shelters and say, Vaughn from the Animal Rescue League of Iowa. That's why we're here. So <laughs> That's right. Let him inspire you. That's right. So Animal Rescue League of Iowa, those of you that are in and around Des Moines, or Iowa, we'd love for you to come to our events. And you can find all of our events at www.arl-iowa.org. And there's a little tab at the very top that says events. And if you click on that, our calendar comes up and it's all color-coded with training classes, um, volunteering events, events, adoption events, everything we got going on shows up on there. And um, we have some cool stuff coming up. Uh, I, of course, have to mention the Raise Your Paw Auction Basket Party. February 22nd at the Animal Rescue League. And the reason I'm mentioning it so early is because please start brainstorming. Great baskets you can put together either yourself or with a friend or you can donate. You can get on our website there and you can donate and we'll put the basket together for you. Mm -hmm. But we get such creative baskets and all these baskets along with about 350 other items (laughs) that we get donated from the community. Um, 
all go up for auction at our major Raise Your Paw auction fundraising event, which is April 20th. So, um, and all the items get auctioned off and all the money goes back to help the homeless pets at the Animal Rescue League while they wait for their second chance. So check out our uh, Raise Your Paw auction. Tickets are going on sale. Get them before they sell out. Yes. And two, plan a basket with you or your friends and come to our Raise Your Paw basket party. Put that basket together and and uh, we'll have it for the Raise Your Paw auction on April 20th. Yeah. And um, to your point, Carol, if people don't want to think of a basket, but you want to help support um, on the event, uh, arl-iowa.org, click on events, uh, go to February, click on the Raise Your Paw auction on February 22nd, basket party. And there are ideas there. If you just want to send 60 bucks or 80 bucks or whatever basket, um, just note what it's for. And to your point, uh, we'll put it together. Yeah. Um, happy and to. I even had someone uh, text me and say, oh, I'll, I'll do a basket. Can I just drop the stuff off? Yes. We will put it in a basket for you. <laughs> Absolutely. We're happy to. And we provide the baskets at the yeah. basket party. Now, some people bring a basket because it's part of their theme. Yes. And, yes. and that's great. But... We also have baskets, but there's so many. We actually have basket ideas on the website. Um, but also, as you said, you know, hey, we're happy if you just want to drop the stuff off. Yeah, too. don't let that uh, hinder you. No. Um, we'll find a, a way. Yeah, it's very it's <laughs> very fun. Very, very fun. The basket party itself is very fun to come to. There's a bunch of people sitting in there. We have pizza. We have snacks. We have beverage. Uh, you can get your name entered to win a free pair of tickets, which is over $120 value. Yeah. Um, you can get a discount on your tickets to the auction. Uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And it's really, really a cool, creative thing. So yeah, yeah, it'll my, be a good time. My friends and I are already working on our ideas I on know, ours. I to, so I need to start soliciting. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, other upcoming events um, are on our calendar. There. Yeah, I'll mention um, the gourmet apples. I know we've mentioned this a hundred times, but go order them, pre-order them. Yes. Otherwise, you may not get one. Um, Go on the website and check them out. They're not, it's not just an apple. Uh, it's a caramel apple dipped in about 25 other things, and they are delicious. It's an experience. It is an experience. It is an experience. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they're, they're fabulous. So be sure and get on and get those ordered. And we do ship. So for those of you that are outside Des Moines, yeah. we do ship. So there you go. No excuse. No excuse. No excuse you won't at want all. an excuse. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, seriously. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention is on February 10th, um, this has been going on for years, uh, at the Buccaneers Arena, 7201 Hickman Road in Urbandale, Iowa, is the Doxy Dash. If you don't know what the Doxy Dash is, it's, I think they do it at halftime. I don't yeah. know. I've gone to it and taken pictures before, but I don't know anything about hockey. Yeah. Um, but if there's a halftime, that's when they do it. Uh, but it's wiener dogs that race across the ice. And it's hilarious. Yeah, for sure. So go check that out. And if you have a dachshund and you want to enter your dog, uh, all the information's on the website. So go check it out. Very fun. Okay, Dan, we're at the last part of the show. And we are waiting for your newly discovered species. I have one. Uh, of course you do. You I have do. a whole list of them. You're ready to go. <laughs> Let's do it. So this one is, um, it's actually a snake. 
Okie dokie. Uh, You're Carol's gonna give us thing. all non-fuzzy ones. Do I know. Well, that? they. I think we've. I think we've uh, <laughs> found all the no- cute fuzzy ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, this one is called DiCaprio's Snail Eating Snake. Is it, it named after Leonard, DiCap- uh, um, Leonardo DiCaprio? No, I don't okay. know how it got it. All right. Well, that's all right. <laughs> um, but this is uh, found in Panama and Colombia, um, and it's a tree-dwelling species. It's a snail-eating snake. Um, and it's one of five new uh, snail-eating snake species discovered by scientists. That is a tongue twister. That I had is. To, I had to think about that. Um, the paper's authors have advised that the species is classified as near-threatened, as its dis- distribution includes many large areas with unspoiled forests. Although some of its habitat has been converted to pasture, the species is probably not declining fast enough to qualify for a threatened category, which is good. But now that we know that they're here, we need to turn it around, mm-hmm. right? So the newly described species is known uh, in 16 lo- uh, localities in Panama and Colombia. And one of those is an isolated population in the um, Cordillera. I probably said that wrong because it's Spanish. Uh, Oriental Mountain Range in Colombia, which occurs at higher elevations and has a slightly different pattern, um, which may turn out to be a different species upon further genetic analysis, which is kind of cool. And you laughed over my DiCaprio thing, but I just Googled it to see what it looked like. He got given the honor of naming this species. Oh, he did? And he named it what he said was after his favorite woman. The actor, he's, he's an environmentalist also, was given the honor of naming the new species after it was recently found in the Panamanian jungle. And he named it after his mom. Oh, um, or Melon. Yeah, yes. So that's hilarious. I just, I just by fluke was looking to see. Well, there you go. See what you do, Dan, with this. You get people looking into this I stuff. Know. The snake is kind of pretty. It is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It's a little thing, too. Uh, yes. So, yeah, go check out the Leonardo. Uh, DiCaprio's <laughs> mother's snail eating snake <laughs> or go to Panama or Colombia and see it for yourself. Yes, exactly. That is not going to be on my bucket list, <laughs> but I'm just going to say so. There we go. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's a wrap for us. Yeah, it was a long show. Thanks it, for hanging in was. with us. Yes, thanks um, for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Stephanie Filer. We appreciate that tons and uh, we'll see if we can uh, get some maybe like a white paper or something with some numbers on it and have producer Bernie uh, post it on the Facebook page. Cause that was a lot of numbers. It was absolutely. But I'm guessing he'll get that done for yeah. us and there'll be more information. So uh, until next week, everyone in a world where you can be anything, be kind and everyone go forth, pop forward. We'll see you next time. It's that time of year. The cold weather is here. The ARL wants to remind you that the unpredictable winter weather can be very dangerous for your animals, and we encourage you to bring them inside this time of year. Animals should not be left in cars and should only be outside long enough to relieve themselves. If you witness a situation where an animal is in danger due to winter conditions, call your local law enforcement or animal control.